Now today, we're continuing a series that we began last week entitled, Unexpected Christmas. And we've been looking in this series at the characters of the Christmas story. Last week, we looked at the life of Mary. She was going about her everyday life, and she didn't realize that there was an unexpected Christmas experience for her. So she's going about her daily life, an angel appears to her and says, Mary, you have found favor with God. And because of that, God is extending an opportunity for you to be the mother of the Savior of the world. And instead of saying no, she raises her hand and she says, yes, let it be so unto me as you have spoken. That moment was unexpected, but it changed her life. But it didn't just change her life, it changed the life of Joseph her fiancé. Now, Joseph was a man, a man of character, a man of integrity. He was a hardworking man. He was a carpenter by trade. And as he was building up his business, he had built up his business enough. And as he was looking in his little village, he noticed a young lady by the name of Mary. And he said, hey, you look nice. You're cute. Let's get together. And Mary said, yes, let's get married. My name is Mary. Let's get married. So, in that time, what would happen is a betrothal would happen. And so the man would then go off to a separate part of town and build a home for her. And then he would receive her as his wife, and they would move in, and they would live as a married couple. There's a lesson in that, men. Before you put a ring on it, build a home for her. All the ladies are saying amen to that. Be financially independent. Don't be asking mom and dad to pay your cell phone bill or your car insurance payment. Pay yourself. Find a way to get established. I'll tell you what, it'll save you a lot of heartache and headache. Uh, you love your in-laws, but there are certain parts of your marriage you don't want them involved. So get established. Follow the example of Joseph. But then Joseph gets the news that his fiance is pregnant. In one moment, his life is turned upside down. And this is where we pick up the account of the story of Joseph in the book of Matthew chapter 1. I want to invite you to open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. We're going to look at verse 18 and following. We're going to see how Joseph responds to an unexpected Christmas. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And you know he's still with us. God is still with us. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to, the, to, their, to a son. And he gave him the name of Jesus. 
In one moment, Joseph's life was turned upside down. He had one plan for his life. God shows up and takes him in a completely different direction. What do you do when life shows up and you have to change direction? You have to go in a different direction. Well, to help illustrate this, take a look. last on Sundays. They've been sitting and waiting. Oh, beautiful move by Nowitzki. Textbook dirt. Kobe and James. What a fake! Tell you what, fundamental footwork works all the time, Kevin. What a beautiful move. They are 13 of 28 from three. Oh, what a pass, and Gasol, the benefactor. A beautiful one from Kawhi Leonard. Not the old-fashioned way. Kobe on a spin, what a pivot. Yes! 121-103-59 for Kobe. Now, just, just follow my lead. Okay. Come on, Chandler. All right, okay. Here we go. All right. life takes you one direction and you need to go another direction, you need to just pivot. Turn to a friend right next to you and tell them, just pivot. You know, there's power in a pivot. There's power in a pivot. In fact, that's a move in basketball. It's called pivot. It's called pivoting. And with that in mind, I want to invite my friend Matt to come out here. Give him a hand. Now, I'll just say this, I don't play basketball, and the reason why is I'm terrible, and Matt knows that, I'm awful. So, Matt's going to help us out with this, but you know, in basketball, when you want to go this direction, you pivot. When you want to go this direction, you pivot. But when you pivot, I want you to realize that there's a pivot foot. There's one foot that needs to stay planted. In order for you to have power in your pivot, you need to stay planted. There's a truth in that spiritually. Some of us, we are used to moving here and there, but God wants us to stay planted. Maybe stay planted in a marriage. Maybe stay planted in a job. Maybe stay planted in this church. There's power in our pivot foot. But you know what happens when we move our pivot foot in basketball? We lose the ball and we turn over possession. Some of us, we're tempted to move our pivot foot, but I'll tell you this, if you move your pivot, you're going to lose what matters most to you. You're going to turn over what God has entrusted to you. And can I encourage you today to just stay planted, to just plant your pivot foot and allow God to move you, but to stay rooted and planted in him. Give him a hand. This hinge I have here, also has a pivot. 
In order for this hinge to move, it has to have a pivot point. And in this hinge, there is a pivot pin. In fact, the definition of a pivot is a central point or pin on which a mechanism turns or oscillates. This door hinge can turn and oscillate because it has a pin. You know, in in our spiritual walk, God wants to be the pivot point of our life. He wants to be the hinge, the holy hinge of our life. And if he is at the center of our life, we can move and be effective in the way that God has created us to be effective. But when we remove the pin, when we remove the center, we fall apart. And can I encourage you today? I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but some of you, you need to discover Jesus as the pivot point of your life. You need to put him at the center of your life. And here's what I've discovered. When he's at the center of your life, he will open doors of blessing for you. I don't know about you, but I want God to bless me. I want him to open up windows, doors, gates, the gates of heaven for me. In fact, I've heard it said this, that big doors swing on little hinges. Big doors swing on little hinges. I want to suggest to you that God has big doors to open for you. But if he's not at the center of your life, he can't and he won't because he doesn't bless us independent of himself. He needs to be at the center. So I know who I'm talking to today, but I want to share this verse with you from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. That's speaking of Jesus. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. He says, I know your deeds. I know some of you have been faithful in secret. And your time of blessing and your season of blessing is coming. But on the other hand, he says, I know what you're doing in secret. And because of that, unfortunately, I'm going to have to close a door in your life. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. If you keep his word, if you follow his commands, if you, if you stay hold and you hold fast to his name, you will have strength because the strength isn't found in you. It's found in the pivot of your life. It's found in Jesus. And so today, I want to share with you a couple thoughts about how to pivot, how to pivot onto God's plan. How to pivot on and into God's plan. Number one is to stay anchored. Stay anchored. In order for hinges to have effectiveness, they need to stay anchored. In order for them to make a difference and to do what they're created to do, they need to stay anchored. Here's my question. What are you anchored to? For some of us, we're anchored to the thrill of success. Everything that we do is for recognition, for more money, for more power. Some of you, you, you talk nice to your coworkers, but what you're doing is you're trying to climb the corporate ladder. You're stepping on other people's toes. You're disparaging people with, uh, in front of the boss just so that you can get ahead. You're addicted to that. That's what your life is anchored to. Others of you, you're addicted to the lust of pleasure. Everything in your life You're anchored to pursuing pleasure. Everything in your life is focused on how can I enjoy my life? How can I do something that is enjoyable for me? 
For others of you, and this is where it gets real, you're anchored to alcohol. That is the thing you go to. When life is difficult, you go to that. That's what you're anchored to. When life is great, you go to that. When you're all by yourself, you go to that. When you're with your friends, you go to that. You know, the Word of God says, don't be full of alcohol, but be full of the Spirit of God. Some of us, we need to choose to be anchored to the author and perfecter of our faith. If we're willing to be anchored, our life can move forward. Verse 19 says this, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I'll just say this. Joseph was a stand-up guy. He wanted to do what God put before him. He wanted to be obedient. He was faithful to to the law. But he found out that his fiancé was pregnant, so he had a decision. What do I do? Well, in that time, you had permission to divorce your spouse. But often, more often than not, those divorces were very public, and they would cause shame. And so he says, Lord, I want to honor you. I want to do the right thing. And so he, cho- he chooses, given what he knows about the word of God, to make the best choice possible. I'm here to tell some of you, just because you can divorce doesn't mean you should. Just because you have the authority and the power to do it doesn't mean you should. Joseph chose to hold fast to the word of God. When life shows up, what are you anchored to? What makes the decisions, the difficult decisions in your life? Who is speaking into your difficult decisions? Is it your coworker? The one who's the unbeliever? Is it, are you sharing your worries and your concerns with that pretty little thing or that handsome guy at work can i encourage you if you find yourself in that place stop it you need to be anchored to god and anchored to your spouse you don't need to be anchored to other people you need to find yourself anchored to god and to your spouse (laughs) joseph discovered the power of being anchored to the word of god let god's word be the anchor of your life Let it be the thing that holds you fast. It it will hold you fast. It's reliable. You can hold on to it. You'll never go wrong with God's word. Also, hinges only have power if they're anchored. Let me just tell you this. In my house, I have this one cabinet in my kitchen that's janky. Now, I know that's not a real word, but what happens is this little cabinet, every couple months, I have to go in and tighten it up. You know, it's got that mean green gangster lean. You know, it's kind of off to the side, and it swings And every time I pass by, I get so frustrated because it's not anchored right. And so about two months ago, I went into my toolbox and I looked for the best wood screw I could find and I made it solid. And now it's anchored tightly. Now it can accomplish what it was created to do, which was to hold up and to hold its capacity. What do you do when life shows up and life gets difficult? What makes the decisions for you? Let God's word be the thing that makes decisions for you. What I've discovered this is that when you're anchored to God, he gives you integrity. And when you have integrity, you have character. And character increases your load capacity. Some of you are saying, God, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. But what he's saying instead is get closer, get closer, get closer. Stay anchored to me. Get closer to me. Because if you get close to me, I'll help increase your load capacity. 
that next promotion, that next ministry assignment, that next step you want to take. If you're anchored to me, I will sustain you because I have the character and the integrity to hold you up. I am firm and I am the anchor of your soul. I want to hold you fast. Can I encourage you, if you're facing a difficult decision, do the right thing, no matter what, even if it's difficult. Some of you are at a, at a crossroads. You're facing a difficult circumstance. Some of you have somebody in your family that's addicted to drugs or alcohol, and you're having to make decisions. Do I give them money, or do I withhold it? Do I help them out? What do I do? They don't want to go to rehab. Maybe they do want to go to rehab. What do you do? Can I suggest to you that if you need guidance, go to God's word. He'll clarify it for you. Everything you need is found in the word of God. Make the right choice. Choose to obey him. He will help you. The second way to pivot onto God's plan is to stay flexible. Stay flexible. Verse 19 says this, Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 24 says this, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He was willing to be flexible. The reason he was willing to be flexible is because he was first anchored to God. You know, in life, we can be inflexible. We can be so stuck in our decisions. And Joseph had that decision. It says that he thought about it, he considered it, he made up his mind, and then he went to bed. But in the middle of the night, God changed his plans and changed the trajectory of his life. And verse 24 says that he did what the angel told him to do. You know, in life, there's this idea of inflexibility, cognitive inflexibility, and they discovered that people who don't have flexible minds, that their brains begin to atrophy. What that means is the brain begins to waste away. If we don't have flexibility in our thinking, what happens is our brain shrinks. We lose effectiveness. In fact, a lack of cognitive flexibility is one of the early indicators of dementia. If you want to know and set yourself up for dementia, then stay inflexible. On the other hand, cognitive flexibility is what God is inviting us to do. This is what Joseph displayed in his life. And cognitive flexibility is defined as someone who has the ability and willingness to change their behavior when life changes, when circumstances and situation changes, when new information comes in. We have a choice. Are we going to be inflexible or are we going to choose to be flexible? We have to decide one way or the other. This is what Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants our mind to be flexible. And let me give you the 11th beatitude. This isn't in your Bible. This is a JMV version, the Jonathan Musset version. Here's it, here it is. Blessed are the flexible because they will never be broken. If you're willing to be flexible, you'll never be broken. You'll be able to address the things that come your way. Let me take it one step further. I want to share with this quote. This, I want to share this quote with you from Alvin Toffler. This is what he says. The illiterate of the future will not be those who can't read or write. The illiterate of the future will be those who can't learn, unlearn, or relearn. 
God wants us to have a teachable spirit. He wants us to be willing to pivot onto his plan. He wants us to stay flexible. He wants us to have one foot anchored in him, but a willingness to move in any direction that he is directing us because he has good plans for us. But sometimes he takes us this one direction and then he takes us another direction, but we must be willing to say yes and amen to wherever he directs us. We need to be obedient. I've also discovered that in the midst of this, sometimes God has to do some demo work in your life because your dreams are getting in the way. You know, God has to dash some dreams sometimes. You wonder, why God, why did you take that person away from me? God has, had to dash your dreams to show you someone else he was gonna bring into your life. God, why did I get unemployed? God has something better for you. I've discovered that when God dashes your dreams, it's to give you better dreams. When God comes in like Wreck-It Ralph and he makes a mess of your life and you don't understand, God, what are you doing? Don't you see that I had my life perfectly set out? I made decisions. I decided. I, I knew where I was going. God said, listen, where you're going is no good. I have a better plan for you. Sometimes God has to dash our dreams to give us bitter, bigger dreams. And bigger and better dreams help us see beyond our current perspective. Let God elevate your dreams. That's why God showed up in a dream to Joseph. He wanted to give Joseph greater meaning and greater purpose for his life. But he had to come in and change his mind and transform his life. And God wants to do the same for you. Today, are you willing to be flexible? Are you willing to pivot onto God's plan? If you're not willing to be flexible, you're going to miss out on the blessings that God has for you. And number three, the third way to pivot onto God's plan is to follow through. It's to follow through. Follow through is so very important. In, in fact, look at verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And took Mary home as his wife. What I also want you to notice is that not only when he took Mary home, he also took Jesus home with him as well. God wants to make a home in your life as well. We have to be willing to follow through. Joseph knew the time in which he was living. He knew that if he took in what was considered a woman who was pregnant out of wedlock into his home, that he would face ridicule. He knew that he was going to face ridicule. He knew that Mary was going to face ridicule. He knew that Jesus would be considered an illegitimate child. He knew that it would probably lower his business because people didn't want to do business with him because of his family situation. But you know what he did? He said, I heard from the Lord. It doesn't matter what people say. I'm going to choose to believe the word of God. And some of us, we need to do that. We need to look at the circumstances around us. We need to look to God and say, God, I've heard from you. I know where I need to go. I'm willing to follow through. I'm willing to do the right thing. And can I just say parenthetically to those of you who are, who are step-parents, if you're a step-parent here, you're just like Joseph. Joseph was a step-parent. He stepped in and he stepped up. And because of that, he's a hero of faith. And because of that, you're a hero as well. Yes, they deserve our honor. If you're a step-parent, you deserve honor today. But he was willing to follow through. You know, I was looking, I was thinking about all the different sports with, with uh, balls. 
bats, football, basketball, golf, soccer. Every sport has to have follow through. In fact, I found this quote that says, in golf, as in life, it's the follow through that makes a difference. Can I encourage you today to follow through on what God has put before you? James 1.22 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's not good enough for us to just have faith. We must be willing to have follow through. Let me make it real practical for you. Make it real practical for you. Some of you, you're saying you want a different life. You want a new job. But God is saying, I need you to follow through. I need you to actually put in the, I need to, I need you to put in the application so that I can lead you where you need to go. Some of you are saying, I want to go to college. Well, actually fill out the FAFSA and apply. In the words of Nike, just do it. Just do it. For others of you, for others of you, this is where it gets real. You're here and you're unmarried. You're living together and you're connecting physically. Can I encourage you? Make it right. Follow through. Be obedient to God. If you're willing to do that, God can fully bless your relationship. And if you're looking for someone to do a wedding ceremony, I know a guy. It's one of my privileges as a pastor is to marry people, and I would love for you to do that. Go down to the courthouse, get the marriage license, and let's set up a time so that we can get you married so that you can fully qualify for all that God has for you. Be willing to follow through. Be willing to step in. Be willing to take control of your health. Be willing to take control of your finances, budget, tithe. Some of you are wondering, why, God, why haven't you blessed me beyond where I'm at right now? He can't bless what he doesn't own. You're saying, God, why haven't you promoted me? He's saying, I can't bless if I don't own it. I can't give you a promotion because God doesn't bless disobedience. Be willing to manage your money, steward it well because it belongs to God. Be willing to follow through. And tonight as I close, some of you, the call to follow through is to follow through with Jesus. Some of you, you, as I've been speaking, you realize that your life is not anchored to the Lord. You realize that you're somewhat close to him, but you're not close enough. And some of the things that I've been talking about, maybe something in worship or something in the message that Pastor Lindsay shared or something that I've shared today is tugged on your heart. That's not us trying to create a moment. It's the spirit of God tugging on you saying, get anchored to me. And tonight, with no one moving, no one leaving, I'm gonna invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I wanna speak to you. Some of you realize that, yes, you celebrate Christmas, but you don't know Jesus. God is calling you and he's saying, let me be the anchor of your soul. Be willing to connect with me. Be willing to connect with me. And if you're willing to connect with me, I will open up the gates of heaven to bless you. Some of you know you need Jesus. And if you're here today and you know that you're not anchored to God, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. This is your moment. Don't miss your moment. One, two, three. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, hands going up. I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. And for those of you who have raised your hands, 
I want to invite you to take one more step. I want to invite you to come forward. A member of our prayer team is going to pray with you. They're going to encourage you. I know it's a big step. I know you feel nervous. Nobody's looking. It's a private moment between you and the Lord. He wants you to get anchored. And my prayer is that as you get anchored to God, that he'll give you an unexpected Christmas. Don't delay. This is your moment. We're going to take time for you because we want you to get anchored to God. We want you to be connected to him. We want you to discover the miracle of Christmas by being connected to him. And as people come up for prayer, I want to speak to the rest of you. There's some of you who are here today, and honestly, you know that you're not flexible. You haven't been flexible, and you haven't had follow-through with God. And God's been whispering to you about things. You know that thing that keeps coming up in your devotional conversation, that thing that keeps coming up when you hear a sermon, that thing that keeps being spoken to you by the word of God or through a message. Are you willing to be flexible? Are you willing to follow through? If you're here and you realize in one specific area of your life, you don't have to indicate to me, but if you know that there's an area of your life where there is a lack of flexibility or follow-through, on the count of three, with every head bowed, eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand. Yes, there's a couple hands going up. If you're here and you know you want, you want God to provide flexibility, you want him to provide follow-through, I want to pray for you. God, I pray for these beloved people who are here today. They've indicated with an upraised hand. And even there are some people here today who didn't feel courageous enough to raise their hand. Maybe they can, just where they're seated, raise one finger to indicate to you their willingness to be flexible. They're anchored to you, but they need to be flexible so that they can step onto and pivot onto your plan. They need to follow through and fully do everything that you've called them to do. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit you would reassure them, that you would strengthen them, that you would let them know that as they stay anchored to you and as they're willing to be flexible, as they're willing to follow through with what you are going to put before them, that you've put before them, that you're going to pour out unexpected blessings, unexpected favor, unexpected opportunity. God, I pray right now as they're making that decision in their own heart to pivot onto your plan, that you would reassure them through your spirit that you've heard them. God, there's some people here who need to repent and turn away from some things and turn towards you. They need to stop being anchored to specific things and choose to be anchored to you. And I pray, God, that through your spirit, you would work mightily in their life, that you would encourage them, that you would reassure them, that you have them in their palm of your hand, that you're going to strengthen them, that you're going to move them forward, that you won't leave them and forsake them, that you're going to help them have the power to be flexible and to follow through. God, we need you. Oh, Jesus, we need you. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to the people who are here in the altar. They need to be anchored to you. Accomplish it, Lord. Work in hearts. For those of you who are in the audience, I just want to encourage you to just do business with the Lord. Talk to him. He's going to comfort you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to strengthen you. Tell him what's on your mind. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to whisper reassurance to you. He's going to speak truth to you in love. He's going to tell you what you need to do to be obedient. When we repent and turn 
towards God, we can experience seasons of refreshing. That's what your word says. I read that today. We can experience seasons of refreshing, God. I pray that you provide seasons of refreshing to your people. Let them experience you in this season, this Christmas season. Would you bring unexpected Christmas blessings to them? And for those who are up here, Lord, they've just discovered the greatest gift that you ever gave, which was Jesus. May Christmas forever be different. May they be forever be changed in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen, amen.